0: You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson.
1: Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners, are you looking to get out of your comfort zone, put the things that we talk about on the Live Different Podcast into practice? If so, come and check out Under 30 Experiences and travel the world. Under 30 Experiences is open to ages 21 to 35. Come down and visit me in the jungle of Costa Rica Go and explore Mayan ruins in Mexico and Belize. Hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. Go to street parties in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Come to see the historical colonial city of Cartagena, Colombia. Drink wine in France. Go down to Barcelona. Uh, Why not check out Ireland and Scotland and London glacier walk in iceland we go all over the place bali indonesia i can't remember where else we go but there are amazing places for you to check out and i suggest that you do i'm the co-founder of under 30 experiences and if you put in the code live different upon checkout you'll get hundred dollars off so go to under 30 experiences.com get out of your comfort zone travel to a faraway land and meet new people Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am Matt Wilson, and today I am here with Jenny Blake. Uh, She is the author of the new book, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters Is Your Next. And our readers, uh, our listeners, this is something that I think everybody is very interested in because it seems like everyone is in a perpetual transition time, especially with the way our economy is developing, and technology is transitioning. And uh, you know, I think the millennials get a lot of uh, get get a, get cut a lot not get cut a lot of slack, but get a lot of all right. I'll just say what I wanted to say. Get a lot of shit for <laughs> job hoppers. But uh, you know, we got to keep up with the time. So anyway, Jenny, you are the author of the blog that I started listening to listen to. Uh, a long time ago, life after college, and you have been blogging for, geez, even longer than I have, 2005, it says here in your bio, but I remember reaching out to you, Jenny, when I was starting under30ceo.com in 2008, because you were one of the only millennial bloggers out there at the time, wow. so anyway, uh, welcome, what's what's going on,
0: Jenny? Thank you, I know, I'm like a grandma in blog years, <laughs> uh, (laughs) been at it for so long. (laughs) Well, kind of going back to what I was saying before
1: with people trying to keep up with the times, it really is like we are aging in dog years because the world around us is moving so fast, wouldn't you say?
0: It's true. And at the same time that Rapid change is keeping us all on our feet. It's keeping us all very nimble. And uh, I love Kevin Kelly. He's the co founder of Wired. I interviewed him for the Pivot podcast, and he talks about being in a perpetual newbie state. So, uh, although we are advancing in our careers, the best approach is perpetual newbie state. Because if you think about it, even our phones, apps get revamped all the time, the OS upgrades. We're never there's never as much solid ground as I think we would like there to be. I mean, you can find pockets of it, but in the end the way to be really successful is to keep that young, agile, beginner's mindset.
1: No, exactly, and especially if you're trying to keep up with the times and stay cutting edge. I mean, every time you update your iPhone, it's like you have to use the whole you have to figure out how to use the whole thing over again. Right, it it right. seems like and and I always wonder, you know, my my 87, soon to be 88 year old grandmother has an iPad. And how does she keep up with that stuff? I don't, I don't know, but you know, she goes to her, uh, dinner parties and she has, comes back with a list of apps and she says, Oh, have you heard of Sportify? Can you download me <laughs> Sportify? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Grandma. I, can, I can do that. Uh, okay. So Jenny, tell please tell us about your new book, Pivot.
0: Yeah, I wrote this book to help us all get better at answering the question, what's next? I felt like I was having a midlife or quarter life crisis basically every two years in my career, and I just felt like I was either never going to be happy, there's something wrong with me, or this more rapidly shifting career landscape is something that's affecting all of us. And as I started doing research for the book, the latter really proved to be true. So I've, I worked at a startup for two years, then Google for five and a half. Now I've been on my own for six. And so I've really seen all different shapes and sizes and formats of companies. And I've worked with, you know, when I was at Google, I worked with thousands of people on career and I recognized it was only when I was running my own business and Matt, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've had these moments from time to time where being in between of, whatever I was doing previously. And what's next, you know, you mentioned life after college, but pretty much as soon as the book came out in 2011, I felt like I don't want to just talk about life after college for the rest of my career. But I'd become known on podcasts as the girl who left things, the girl who left Google, the girl who left college. But who am I? Who am I outside of that? And I really struggled with that question, and it was really stressful to do that without a steady paycheck this time around, whereas the previous times I was working, it was okay to have that kind of existential crisis, I was at least still getting paid. but. Um, that's really what's inspired the book because I felt like I have no choice now. I have to figure this out. If I want to stay in New York and I want to stay self-employed, which I did, then I, there has to be a better way. And so as I reverse engineered my own career changes and those of other people I'd worked with over the years, I came up with this four stage pivot method. That's the focus of the book.
1: Okay, cool. And, and it sounds like if, if you were the girl who left college and left Google and left all these things, all right, you were probably tired of people asking you about those things. And so your subtitling of, <laughs> of your book, The Only Move That Matters, is your next one. Is, it's kind of like, hey, let's, uh, let's talk about the future here uh, but but i do before i get into your your four uh stage your outline for people to do this themselves i do want to ask you uh, when you were at google you know you're you're talking about transitions with people here and and we started the conversation by talking about how quickly technology is moving, how we always have to keep up. Did you find that it was extremely fast paced at Google and you were always having to learn more or did you even feel stuck at a place uh, like Google
0: in some ways it was a little bit of both there in order to even be hired at google one of the qualities they look for is adaptable so people had to be show that you could be adaptable because we would get hired and then our jobs would change so frequently i mean we were reorging as much as we were orging at that company and our roles were changing and our managers and so we really had to learn how to get comfortable with complexity and change and even some amount of chaos at the same time it was, it was also very natural. You have a ton of high performers, high achievers who were coming in right out of college and inevitably hitting pivot points or plateaus, which is kind of a moment where, as you described, you realize, okay, I'm ready for something more. And it was this kind of unspoken thing because we were all afraid to say, I mean, I work at Google. It feels wrong to say anything less than I'm 100% grateful, 100% fulfilled hundred percent of the time. Hashtag blessed. You know, it's like how do you admit? How do you say, um, I'm I'm ready, I'm ready for something new without coming across. And you mentioned in your intro, there is a lot of shame and blame on millennials for being job hoppers or entitled. But really, I think I've noticed it's it's not just millennials, it's a whole Psychographic, which is kind of the mindset of people who I describe as high net growth individuals. And if you're high net growth, money's important, but it's not everything. And so we are going to get restless more quickly. And that's not always a bad thing that in the startup world, when we hear the phrase pivot, it's often plan B that the startup is about to fold. And so they have to pivot in order to save the business, but in our careers and especially for high net growth individuals, as anybody listening to this podcast is Pivot is plan a that's, it's always on our mind thinking about what we're doing now and how we shift that. And and the way I describe a pivot is a shift in a new related direction based on what's already working. So pivot is not a 180, and you're not starting from scratch. Everybody listening to this episode can reverse engineer your own career pivots and see how each thing had a connection to the one that you chose after. And that's why you mentioned the subtitle of book two. I really think the five-year question, where do you see yourself in five years, is completely irrelevant. The iPhone didn't even exist 10 years ago, let alone all the apps and billion-dollar companies that have resulted. So if, people, if you can focus just on your one next move and what would be a logical but kind of stretchy, edgy extension from what's already working, then we can we can move without feeling that sense of panic about making moves that are, that are too big, that are just going to paralyze us instead of wanting to actually take action.
1: That's, that's really cool. And, uh, I know that a lot of what you talk about, uh, is that intersection with your mind and your body and your business and not just all hardcore. Uh, hardcore business career advice, where do you have to make your, your next move, the tactics, but uh, o- some overarching strategies, and and while you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, so much, uh, there's so much anxiety and so much stress in today's world, especially people who, who are in the business world, and I think a lot of that has to do with things are moving so fast that it's difficult for our brains to keep up. And we all have that friend or we all have, it probably happens to to most people listening right now where because we are forced in today's day and age to move so quickly and to change and to adapt. uh, I don't know, do you you see that uh, as a big stressor for people? And, And my real question is how can people learn to become more adaptable?
0: Yeah. Well, a couple things. One, just having, I know that phrase self-compassion can kind of be, I don't know, for me, sometimes it's a little iffy when I hear it. What does that really mean? But knowing a lot of people, myself included, this is a mistake I made is just take their pivot very personally that I'm ready for change and there's something wrong with me. I, you know, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just stay put? And so I wasted a lot of time and energy beating myself up. And then similarly, if you feel fearful around change, that's normal. Especially career change is will, will call up a lot of our fears because career seems to threaten our most fundamental needs on Maslow's hierarchy, food, clothing, and shelter. So it's really normal if Everyone listening, you're contemplating some exciting idea for the future and you, and simultaneously you feel afraid. And that's a good sign. If you feel insecure and unsure and uncertain, that means you're choosing something big enough. Now the question is, how can you run small experiments or take small steps to help you test that idea of what you're really excited about? And so, and then the third piece that you mentioned, Matt, is around the burnout side of equation, the equation. And I've thought about this a lot because as you mentioned, after life, after college, I transitioned to a site under my own name and it's about systems at the intersection of mind, body, and business. And I had kept kind of burning out, burnout, crash, recover, burnout, crash, recover. That was my my cycle when I was at Google and working on my side hustle. And in the years since, I've really come to believe your body is your business. And for anyone who is a solopreneur or entrepreneur, or even doing a side hustle, it's like, we've got to be healthy because we are our sole employee. And if we're sleep deprived or hungover, not eating well, then we're operating at half mass. And then so is our business. That, that was not going to work for me. So I think one thing is just to recognize those body signals, to also understand the importance of putting physical practices first, that that will then open up much more space for creative thinking. And I think one piece of burnout, which I, you know, I haven't cracked this nut yet, but I think that for high net growth individuals, ultimately, if they're learning and growing, that's wonderful, but they want to be making an impact. And so I think all of us we work really hard and there's a part of this that is just going to come the territory of being super passionate, working hard, really trying to get stuff off the ground. And so I've learned that, you know, yes, sometimes I'm not going to see it coming. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to, something's going to kind of, my body's going to really say, Hey, I need a break now. And I've learned to just accept the rest and the recharge. And even my book launched in September, I knew for three weeks out, I had a week where I didn't schedule any meetings and I had a feeling I was going to need a break. And when that week came, I could not move off the couch. Like I needed every minute of that break that I'd given myself and then some, and then some after that. So be prepared to build in that time for rest and recovery.
1: No, I, I think that's so important, especially on the rest and recovery uh, side, side of things. Uh, okay, so I, I, I love where you're going with the with the actionable stuff here, and if we want to dig in a little bit deeper, you said that you have a kind of a four-pillar strategy for pivoting, for staying nimble. Can you tell us a little bit more
0: about that? Sure. So the metaphor that came to me was of a basketball player. When a basketball player stops dribbling, they plant, one foot stays firmly planted, And then you can scan for passing options with our pivot foot. So in a career pivot, the plant foot is all of your strengths. It's what's already working. It's who you already are, what's important to you, and what success looks like a year from now that you're more grounded. If we can start from who we already are and what's already working, we're rooted just like that basketball player with the plant foot. Then the second stage scan is about people, skills, and projects that are connected to what we came up with in the plant stage. Most go-getters want to skip the plant stage. The second we think, oh, I'm at a pivot point, I'm ready for change, what's out there? And we, myself included, immediately go look at what's out there. And that's what leads to compare and despair, analysis paralysis, feeling like, everyone else has got this figured out and I don't. Well, if you're not rooted in your strengths, what's working and what success looks like just one year from now, you don't have to know farther out. You don't have to know everything, but broad strokes of what you would love to see happening in your life. Then the next stages become much more efficient and effective. So after scanning the third stage pilot is like passing the ball around the court. This is about small experiments that you can do with 10% of your time or resources to help test the waters of a new direction and then you repeat plant scan pilot over and over eventually there's a launch moment and that's if you're quitting a job moving teams starting your own business launching a big product or a book um the launch is when you go all in on a new direction but the plant scan pilot process can happen over and over again for months if not years and you can be perfectly happy and that's exactly as you described at the beginning the big secret is we're in a perpetual state of pivot, more often than not.
1: Okay, that that's that's excellent, and uh, I love the basketball reference. Of course, that's what I heard. Uh, that's that's what I thought of actually. With with pivot, uh, being a, a basketball enthusiast uh, myself, you, you mentioned in your second step, you mentioned people skills. Can you talk a little bit more about how people can develop? Those And uh, maybe there's a networking aspect to this. Maybe there is uh, a personal development aspect to this. Could you talk a little bit more about that step?
0: Sure. Yeah. Networking. What a word, right? It's like people have such a funny relationship to it, myself included. But at the end of the day, people are such a crucial aspect of making things happen and you know I, I say in the book bolster your bench like who's on your team and and this is not about networking in the cheesiest sense it's about authentic friendships that inspire you and move you forward and so some of the techniques i share one is called drafting look at someone who's one or two steps ahead in your field and doing what you want to do how can you learn from them and if you're skilled enough how can you handle overflow work that they don't want or can't take on so that can be a good technique I'm all about friend tours so just like you know you and I have come up through the ranks together for many years a friend tours are you know instead of putting the pressure to have one Holy Grail mentor which is kind of an awkward conversation look for peers where you can hold each other accountable and ask questions and brainstorm I like setting up what I call 30 30s where I'll um, Arrange, like schedule, let's say you and I met, and we do 30 minutes brainstorming for your business and 30 minutes for mine. And that way you avoid, I really don't like the phrase, can I pick your brain? (laughs) I just think it sounds intrusive and really one-sided. So I love 30-30 calls. And I think that's a strategy that more people could utilize. And, um, so it's things like this and I'm a, I'm a closet introvert, even though my career is very extroverted. So even things like conferences, my general philosophy is if I go and I make one really authentic, deep, awesome connection, it's been a success and that's it. And so removing the pressure to have networking mean anything other than connect with awesome people who light you up.
1: You know, I, I think these are amazing strategies, and uh, I, I like the term front tour, and uh, I mean, that was why I started my podcast in the beginning, because I said, well, I really have invested a lot of time into, and, and you can't call it networking, like you said, but into accumulating a good, a solid bench, right, to, to continue uh, with your wordage here and well how can I how can I share what these people know with the rest of the world and so that became the idea for the podcast and yeah that's how uh, that's how this conversation came up and as you know somebody said oh did you hear Jenny Blake is is launching a book and I said well I, I should reach out to her and see if we can get her on the podcast and so that's uh yeah that that that's really how it works I mean that's that's my big strategy for this, mm-hmm. but I also like the 30-30 idea. Uh, a couple episodes back, a friend of mine, Robert James Collier, and I had a really cool conversation. He's been down here to Costa Rica on a under-30 experiences trip, and he is really into meditation, and uh, he's building a, a pretty cool business called Entrepreneur's Dinner, and I, I just really like the guy, and we got a chance to catch up for an hour on the podcast, I think we think we ended up going for, geez, like an hour and a half. And at the end, he used the strategy. I mean, he's he's a friend, right? But we can call it a, we can call it a strategy. It was very authentic. Uh, it wasn't like a pre-planned thing. But he said, "Hey, uh, what do you think?" Every Friday, I'll try to give you a call, or you try to give me a call, and we haven't delivered as well as I would have liked just because, mm-hmm. well, one of the Fridays was Black Friday and things were crazy for under 30 experiences, et cetera, et cetera. But he just, it was an open invitation, no strings attached. Hey, let's continue to, to catch up and do this more often. And so I tell him what's going on in for my week and uh, yeah, we just, we just chat, but it's, it's a little bit more directed than just calling a friend. I mean, we have a, a purpose, I, I guess, behind it, and it's to it's to learn from one another. So, uh, I, I love the strategy, Jenny.
0: That's awesome. And I have to say, I started the Pivot Podcast kind of on a whim. It was one of my pilots, and I felt like, oh, this will be you know a good side thing to go with the book, similar to you. It ended up becoming like the love of my business life. I mean, it's so fun to just have a reason to reach out to people, friends, new and old, and have interesting conversations and then make them live for other people to learn from. And I've just, it, it's really surprised me how joyful that I have found podcasting. And I know we talked right at the beginning about blogging and dog years of blogging, but I've actually kind of slowed down on the writing just to go to podcasting, which is, which is interesting. I don't know if you found that shift But it's been such a surprise delight that even if I had zero listeners, I would be so glad I'm doing it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And often I have to write up the show notes and the intro and title it and – you know, every morning i try to spend some creative time I, I go in streaks of course um but this morning i, I sat on my front porch and tried to I, i've just recorded a couple podcasts this week i try to do them all together to batch the tasks and hey uh i sat and i i created the content around the podcast and it's just for me it's so much easier again there's a quote-unquote networking aspect to it so yeah i've i've really enjoyed uh doing that as well because writing really takes so long and uh look podcasting is another form of content another form of media that has evolved you know we all have access to these things right on our phones now i mean it's 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 an incredible time to to be alive really Totally.
0: Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think part of the message there too and when anyone listening you're thinking of running pilots is it's okay not to know where they're gonna go, where they're gonna take you. And like this is this stuff is such an evolution and when people look at what I'm doing now and they say, Wow, I can't believe all you're doing It's like this is I always say it's a thousand tiny iterations over I've been doing this 11 years now, you know, it's like, that's crazy. So what you see from the outside, it's, um, it's just so many small experiments and a good pilot should answer the three E's. I tell people to look out for So it's one, do I enjoy this new thing? Two, can I become an expert at it? And three is there room to expand in the market. So, For some people with podcasting, they're not going to enjoy it or want to become good at it. Or, you know, I taught myself garage band, learned audio editing. Not everyone wants to do that. Um, But there are, of course, ways to hire help and everything. But those three E's can be a really good way to just assess while you're in it. And even having just launched my book, I don't know exactly what's next. You know, this time around, I feel so much calmer, but uh, to switch metaphors, I, I think about pilots like racehorses at the Kentucky Derby. You just line up five or six activities and you just see which one organically takes off out the gate. But it's okay not to know up front.
1: No, I, I think that's amazing. And uh, Jenny, I wanted to go back to your to your rest and recovery time and hear a little bit more about what you do besides just being knocked out on the couch, which is totally acceptable <laughs> after a book launch, I can I can only imagine. Um, yeah, can you tell us more about that? Because I want to ask you a follow-up question, of course, about your yoga practice. So can, can you tell us sure. a
0: little bit more? Yeah, well, uh, I did one podcast episode called, what was it, Post, Post-Launch Post Pivot Point and the Furry Rest Monster. I felt like there was that blue monster from Monsters, Inc., the Pixar movie, that was like in my couch. So he was friendly, but he was just like, come into the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my self-care practices, I meditate one or two times a day. Lately, it's been 30 minutes, but I, I go through stages where you know, I'm lucky to get 10 or 20, but I really 30 is a sweet spot for me. I read in the morning before I start any calls. I have tea. I really have a slow wind up to the day and I have a long wind down. So I, as you mentioned, I try and get my work and my calls done by about three or four. And then I head out for a yoga or Pilates class, or go for a walk and talk with a friend or a friend tour. And then after about 6 PM, I don't check email anymore. I don't, I'm too prone to anxiety that I know I'm not going to work at that hour. And so I don't want it even rattling around in my head. So from about six on, I just have dinner, maybe have tea at night and then watch one show. And I go to bed very early, like, like, ridiculously early. Some, tell us, sometimes. tell us how early sometimes, you go to bed, Jenny, Matt, grandma, grandma, Jenny, eight I know. <laughs> Damn. Sometimes I'm jealous. <laughs> um, more, more often nine, nine thirty. 30. Like if I'm left to my druthers, that's when I'm going to bed because at night I don't really work. My brain's just not in that mode. So I would just be watching more TV or eating and I don't feel like I need to do that unless I'm going out of course in New York, but and then my dream is when i can wake up before the sun rises so that's 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 why, that's why it's worth it to me wow <laughs> but, good, uh,
1: good for you and that time of the yeah. morning is so nice i mean i i, I try um, to reset my it. my circadian rhythm i mean i went to i actually did go to sleep at 9:30 last night but that's pretty rare <laughs> i'll have lights out before 11 every every day and and 10 i'm doing really good uh doing really well but that means I'm up at six, which is which is excellent, excellent, especially here in in Costa Rica. But the, just the silence and the peace and quiet that you can get before the rest of the world is up making yes. noises, especially in New York. I can remember getting up early and walking through the financial district before there was anybody. And I said, wow, I actually like being down here. It's this so is magical.
0: Yeah, yeah. To be on the streets, like even on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and it's so quiet. I on the weekends I can hear birds chirping, which I know is not rare for you in Costa Rica, but <laughs> no, I... I, um, yeah. And I know night owls have said a similar thing that they like also being awake when no one else is, but it's at like three in the morning.
1: Yes. I, I've heard that, but, uh, it's dark. You can't, you can't see much. Uh, but yeah, I, I can, uh, I can totally relate with the, with the birds. Um, I mean, not not to brag, but we have some pretty good birds here with the... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have... Literally, we have parakeets and scarlet macaws and... Uh, a monkey came by. There's iguanas. Actually, I don't know if anybody can hear the iguanas on uh, on my roof right now, but they're doing something up there and they've made quite a few appearances on the Live Different podcast. So we're sorry about the, uh, the, back, the background noise. Okay, Jenny, I know we could talk for a long time and that you do have a, <laughs> a commitment coming up. We'll have to have you back on and, and continue the yeah. conversation. But tell me about, uh, your, your travel. I remember, I, I'm pretty sure that you went to Bali long before I did. And, uh, you actually sent me a list. I, I, I'm almost positive if it, it, mm. it was you that you sent me a list of things to, uh, to go. And check <laughs> out. But, so can you tell me about your practice on of, about going up, away every year?
0: Yeah. Well, we can put this in the show notes. I did create a Google doc. I, I create docs and templates for pretty much everything. Um, so I have, if listen, anyone listening, if you go to pivotmethodcom slash toolkit, there's all kinds of stuff there of templates, but the one I sent you, Matt, for anyone who's thinking about Southeast Asia, specifically Ubud, Bali, or Chiang Mai is, um, bit.ly slash Bali, Thailand with a capital B and a capital T. So we can put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I felt like It was really scary to take the first month abroad in my running my own business. I was worried I would lose all my clients, but I also felt like, why am I doing this if I can't go travel and have these experiences? And so... I really think buying the plane ticket is the scariest part about making decisions like this. And then everything else does fall into place. Housing, who you meet, where you're going to work. Now in Ubud, Bali, there's a co-working space that has the fastest internet on the island of Indonesia. It's called Hubud. Oh, I didn't know the
1: internet was fast. I've walked by it a bunch of times. Oh, my God. I've stopped in there
0: it's awesome. It's 24 hour. So when I had coaching client calls at 5am Bali time, they're open. Like it's amazing. They have a restaurant, two stories. I remember I walked in the first day and a woman came up and she said, are you Jenny Blake? And she'd been reading my newsletter. Like how yeah. wild to just meet people, such awesome people converge there. And I met a friend, Dave Buda. We did a podcast together. lots, uh, it's really such a cool spot. Um, so there's more and more of that cropping up around the world. And as, as Matt, I mean, I don't have to tell you, probably not even your listeners, but sites like nomadlist.com also show where's the great cost of living, where's their good internet, where is it safe, whatever the criteria that you care about. And so here again, I talk about travel pilots in the book. If you want to shake things up, pick a place that you would love to go stay in. And if it's stretchy and edgy for you to do two weeks to start, wonderful. If you can do a month, that's awesome. Eventually I was doing, you know, two months in Southeast Asia at the start of every year and, um, or not always Southeast Asia, you know, I'm kind of, I like switching it up, but, um, this year I, for some reason I got this message of Like stay home, but I am going to do a silent retreat for New Year's. So that's going to be my my adventure into the inner unknown territories. Oh, that's awesome! Of of my life,
1: vipassana retreat or what kind of silent retreat are you doing?
0: This one's not officially vipassana, but it's just a four day in upstate New York. So cool. I don't know what to expect. I don't even think you're supposed to read or right. I have to double check it. I wonder what the criteria on this one will be, but not reading for 40 is like that. That's probably going to be the hardest part. Like, I don't care. I'm not talking to people, but no books. I don't sure, know. I don't sure. Know if I can some, handle a lot
1: or no exercise. Uh, yeah. Is there
0: no exercise?
1: I've heard, I'm pretty sure Vipassana retreats are no exercise because you, you can, you know, you're supposed to let all of whatever pops up. You're supposed to let that bubble to the surface and not oh be God. able to you're right to release it uh in any other way other than you know you can't talk it out right you can't go and and uh lift weights and pump it out or, or whatever else you do you're supposed to yeah help hone your meditation practice and and oh uh gosh. okay jenny i i know you have to go i i want to go rapid fire which it pains me to do with you because you're very articulate (laughs) and you have a really nice way of uh yeah you have a really nice way of explaining things so i hate to go rapid fire but i will uh, because i i don't want to keep you anymore um you said chiang mai you said Polly. where else where else have you been lately
0: Oh, I've been traveling a lot stateside for various speaking gigs. So Boston, Texas, um, Philly, Bay Area. So a lot of domestic travel since the book came out, which is which has been great.
1: Awesome, yeah. I mean, the book just came out two months ago, so that's that's really cool. Are you still practicing yoga in New York? And if so, where do you practice? At home or at yeah. a studio? I want to hear the name of the studio. Is what I'm looking for.
0: I, sure, I do both. And um, studios I love Kula. Katona it just reopened a new one. Jiva Mukti is awesome. Strala Yoga is great, and Yoga Works. Those are my faves. And then Sacred Sounds Yoga is good for aerial classes, which is awesome. And yeah, those would be my top picks.
1: Cool, that's really helpful. I've been to both <laughs> Yoga Works and and Jiva Mukti, and they have a, a
0: yeah. neat little cafe
1: there. Uh, it's yeah, a, it I can love be a little it. C- it can be a little cultish, not to pass judgment, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool to check out if if you've never been. It's it's right in Union Square. Um, OK, other questions. I don't even I don't even know. I don't want to rush through it. So, Jenny, let's have you <laughs> on again. Uh, I, I do want to ask if you have any overarching advice for the end of the show, if you'd like to leave everybody, if they are trying to go out and pivot if they're trying to be adaptable if they're trying to figure out their next move what should they do
0: The biggest thing is just don't wait until you have it all figured out that it's easy to listen to a show like this and think you and I are, are have some different skill or quality and it's not the case it's I feel afraid and insecure and unsure all the time and the difference is just to keep going and one of my mottoes is build first courage second so just start taking those action steps and then Courage and confidence will follow, not the other way around.
1: Jenny, that is awesome advice. Where else can people learn about you?
0: Pivotmethod.com is the best spot. And if you go to slash toolkit, there's all the templates. And then my podcast is the Pivot Podcast. So, And then I have a private community called Momentum if anyone's interested for side hustlers and solopreneurs. It's a great way to just keep in touch and, and have support and brainstorming.
1: Excellent. Sounds good, Jenny. Well, congratulations on the book launch. Uh, I'm I'm excited for you and uh, keep doing awesome work.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. It's such a pleasure to be here and catch up and would love to come back again sometime. So thank you for having me and big thanks, everybody, for listening.
1: Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode. If you listened this far, go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please. That's all we ask. A little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat, maybe our fitness retreat, who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.